Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of Chris Wallace. Uh, good to see you, Chris. Good to see you too, Julian. Thanks for having me on. No, no, it's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, I'm just going to tell the audience a little bit about you so we know who we're speaking to, but we'll find a bit more about you in a moment. Uh, you are the co-founder and president of Interview Group. And uh, this, this company, Interview, is a marketing consulting firm established to help companies reach and influence their most critical audiences the people and partners that represents their brand. And we will be talking a bit more about that later. Um, you've got more than 20 years of experience in sort of brand marketing and customer experience. And you're also a regular contributor to Forbes, Harvest Business Review and Chief Marketer. So it's great to have you on. It's great to have your experience. And it's great to have a, uh, a direction of looking at our internal marketing and how we do that uh, as organizations to make it really valuable and beneficial and drive our businesses forward. But before we get into that, I want to ask, as I always ask everybody who comes on the show, is uh, what do you love about what you do? What do I love about what I do? Um, I, I think that I, if I've been asked this question a number of times over the years, I probably give a slightly different version of this every time just to keep it fresh. But um, I, I really think that we enjoy seeing you know, organizations that we work with are very complex and helping take the complex and turn it into the simple for people. Um, really, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of value in that. There's a lot of pleasure in seeing that happen. And the best way I can think to describe it is when we work with organizations and we do what we do, there's not this big confetti falls from the ceiling moment. It really is a series of moments where the people that we work with, especially the frontline teams, the sales teams, customer service, when they just say, oh, oh, that's what they're talking about? Oh, yeah, I can do that, right? Just just those those, those brief moments, those brief eureka moments where the light bulb comes on, um, I think that's probably where I see the most pleasure is really bringing that simplicity to people. I like that. Um, I like simplicity, and, and I like aha moments, so that that's brilliant. And, and what got you into this? I know you obviously got this branding experience um, prior to all this. What got you into working with organizations and help them sort of dial up their internal marketing? Yeah, I've always sort of straddled the line between sales and marketing. And I've held, you know, dual titles in, you know, and in multiple organizations, big organizations and big brands. And at the end of the day, though, I think I was, I've always been a salesperson. I'm a salesperson at heart. And I think that really understanding the challenges that the salespeople face with having so many priorities thrown at them, so many messages thrown at them, and you know, realizing that salespeople they decide they're the they're the they're the gateway to the customer. And mm -hmm. I say salespeople, but that could be a customer service representative. It could be somebody in a retail store. Um, really, the person that's that's customer facing and, and, and serving that customer. So much is thrown at them, and I've lived that. I've walked a mile in those shoes. So you know, recognizing that there was a need to really sort of bridge that gap. I mean, it, when you really boil it down, it really is you know just better alignment between marketing and sales. Um, I've sat in between those two things for so long that you know I really wanted to help you know try to take what the like I said the complexity that I've seen and really bring some clarity to it and, and improve the alignment between those two functions. 
I guess you've obviously seen both sides of it, which obviously helps in terms of getting that perspective and that understanding. And I just want us to think back in this last or 12, 15 months where organizations uh, have been trying to get to their, not only just to survive, but there's a lot of businesses that have been actually thriving and doing really well and investing heavily uh, in people, in, in, in certainly um, uh, external marketing campaigns. And I guess, you know, that, that whole adage of saying that, you know, your people are your greatest assets that people often say, and it's obviously a lot of tri- tripe often in most organizations because I don't believe it half the time. So how do you, I guess the question is, what have you noticed over this last 12 months in terms of that view on the external marketing, internal marketing, and, and think about that people? And how, have you noticed any differences and nuances in that 12 months? So I'm going to tell you the biggest difference that I see, um, and it's a very simple one. Um, everybody knows what frontline employee means now. Think about that. Think about that phrase. And it's something that we've used for years, customer facing, frontline. You know, we've used some variation of those, those phrases for years. And it was something that I don't know that it rolled off of people's tongues, but over the last 12 or 15 months, I think the recognition of what a frontline employee is and, and why why that phrase front like the fact that frontline means something frontline means mm-hmm. they truly are the the first first and last line of defense or the the first and last face of your brand that most people see and, and engage with so i just think that the the consciousness that, that frontline employees are people and they are and they're really important parts of not just making processes go day in and day out, but representing a, a larger message and, and a larger larger vision and promise that that a brand is making. So I think that that's the biggest change I've seen is is the it's the general awareness and recognition in terms of how organizations approach their people. I still I generally think that when people say our people are our greatest asset, that is such a broad and general statement. I don't know how, I don't think most organizations or or most managers, most leaders really know how to slice into that concept, right? What do we actually do about it? At interview, the the approach that we try to take is we're a very specific slice of that thought process, which is go to market success depends upon engaging the people that talk to your customer. It's that simple. If you're going to be successful in bringing a product, a brand, a customer experience, whatever it is that you're bringing to market, the people who have to execute it are vitally important. You ha- They have to be completely on board. They cannot be an afterthought. I think organizations are coming around, but I don't think they're completely there yet. And are we talking here in terms of investing in people and frontline people? Is, is that all you're talking about is frontline people, people who are in contact with the customer or the client, or we're talking everybody? Because in essence, everybody is a brand ambassador of an organization, really, aren't they? In essence, if you think about There's, it, because, you know, people do things on Facebook and, you know, and they're all advocates of some form in their sort of friendship groups. And so you want them spouting out good things about the company, but not only good things about the company, but really clarity on their values, their beliefs, what they do and how they benefit and all that sort of stuff. And you want that absolute clarity. So how do we take that? Because that's that in simplicity, simplicity is, is easy in the sense of what you want them to deliver. But delivering that is quite tricky, isn't it? How do we get to that place of getting that clarity of delivery with uh, employees? 
Yeah, first of all, you're right. It, it, it does extend to, to all employees. I think that the reason our focus over the years has been so intensely on the frontline employees is working with the frontline employees, it's easier to measure the results, right? It's easier easier to measure if they're in better, um, if they have belief in the brand they represent and you can measure that, um, you can attach that to pretty clear ROI, right? Sales, customer satisfaction, customer loyalty, all those things go, go way up. So, but you're right. It has to be throughout an organization. But the word that you use that I want to I want to key in on is the word beliefs, right? What they believe as an organization. Well, what you believe as an organization has to start to align with what people believe as individuals, and that's what we focus on. You know, with our organization is when when people ask why organizations struggle to to really drive sort of this engagement around their brand and sort of alignment with their brand internally. The, the the reason we pinpoint for why that happens is because so much of it is about sharing information. They say, "Well, look what we have. Look what the product does. You know, look 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 what we said we can do." And it's it's really about words. To be honest with you, they share a lot of words, but um, you know, words hit here. They need to they need to hit the heart, right? And they need mm-hmm. to hit the gut a little bit more. And that's why we're so focused on really giving those frontline employees a voice. And, and making sure that that how they feel about the brand, how they feel about the organization they represent is something that's heard at the corporate level, because there's no better way to understand what somebody, you know, what somebody believes and what they'll go out and say than to, to really get inside their head. So we're so much more focused on what do the frontline employees believe rather than what do they know? But most organizations are so focused on, let's make sure that they know this. Let's make sure that they have this script. Let's make sure they have this ebook on our new product. Um, we don't care what they know. We care what they believe. And that's why we measure that through our, our, our brand transfer score process. That's really important, actually. I think yeah, just knowing stuff, telling them the mission statement, telling them our purpose, our values, how we are, is, is the difference to actually do they actually believe it? Because as you say, they believe it. They will act it in terms of how they approach their customers, their clients, how they interact. So how do you take that potential disconnect? Because I guess most organizations won't know they've got a disconnect, I guess. Most organizations will think, I tell them, or we do these, you know, town hall meetings, we send out emails, we train everybody, we talk about our values, all that sort of stuff, a lot of good stuff. And that from their perspective, they think, well, they must, they all know it. So how do we know that they know it or, and how do we take that knowledge into a belief, I guess? Yeah, well, so uh, th- that's the hard part, right? I think um, you bring up you bring up town halls, which I think is a, is a great example of what a lot, a lot of organizations do. And and to address your question, I'm going to focus on two things. One is if you ask for input and then do nothing with it, you've just degraded the 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 quality of the relationship or the trust in the relationship. Um, town halls are probably the biggest perpetrators of that. Right. You have leaders mm-hmm. go out and they do a whirlwind tour. They go out you know, a bunch of cities, you know, factories, offices, wherever they're going and they, they hear people and then they don't do a lot with it. And I think that that erodes trust in a big way. Um, I think beyond that, when it comes to sort of the, the, the beliefs of the, the organization and, and, and the beliefs that the individual people have, um, it has to be customized for their role. So if, if, if you are sharing what the, the beliefs of the organization are, what the values are, what the mission is, but people don't understand the contribution that their role makes in the bigger picture, mm-hmm. then they don't know what to do differently day in and day out. And that's the biggest the biggest challenge that most organizations have is they share information about, they, they share the details, right? But they expect people are going to take those details, apply them to their role, and then act in a way that they want. And 
I'm sorry to say this to, to most organizations, but your people are not going to do that. They're not. The information, the, the conversation, the dialogue stops with the information. You share the information. A lot of cases, that's where it stops. The processing it, thinking about it into the role, and then taking the action, that's where we see the disconnect happening. And that's where we try to fill the gap and helping organizations really take the message, put it through the lens of each individual role or each job family, and make sure people see what a difference can look like in their role every single day. So how would that sort of play out in an organization? Have you got an example recently where this is what you did specifically that got that engagement, got that sort of experience that then created that sense of that, that belief from a, you know, from a, uh, a knowledge down to a belief in by a specific role? Yeah, so I have two examples that I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, one is super luxury. One is everyday, just everyday household maintenance. Um, we worked with a, a jewelry client, a large, uh, large online jewelry retailer here in the States. And they, um, they a lot of their sales are, are, they have a great e-commerce platform, but a lot of their sales are, end up being transacted over the phone through, through a, a call center team. And the call center team over the years has been very hesitant to, um, they don't sell. Um, they're a non-commissioned sales staff. If you can imagine that they're non-commissioned, they're all certified diamond experts. Okay. They are salaried call center employees that are, that are, you just happen to have expertise in diamond jewelry. And they didn't, they don't like the idea of selling. They didn't want to, it was all about, we're not going to be high pressure. All of that's all about the customer. Well, what, what ended up happening is in, in the process of not selling, they were, um, they were sort of preventing sales from happening. They were preventing customers from, they were so anti-sales that they were not necessarily helping the customer reach the destination that they wanted to get to. So we looked at the brand messaging that they had and we identified, okay, this is who you're telling the customers are. The customer lands on your website and calls your call center. This is what they're expecting. They're expecting expertise. They're expecting, they're expecting somebody to be helpful. Helpful doesn't mean doing whatever the customer wants. Helpful means helping get the, the customer what they actually want. Just by working with the teams to understand what the brand was promising and asking mm -hmm. them, how does your role fit into that? And helping them paint the mental picture of what that looked like. Well, I think they convinced themselves that they could sell more. And by selling, they were actually doing a better service to the customer because they were getting them to the destination that they wanted. They called because they want to buy an engagement ring to make the most important purchase, most important decision of their lives. And you're you're the you're their tour guide to get there. Embrace that, own that. And by helping them understand the role they played in sort of delivering the brand and, and delivering on that brand promise, mm -hmm. um, they got much more comfortable with what was expected of them. And lo and behold, sales shot through the roof. I mean, literally shot through the roof. Incredible growth in sales. So that's one example. Another example would be working with um, a pest control brand, um, global pest control brand, and people that go and do uh, pest treatments inside somebody's house, helping them understand the role they play in delivering a great experience for the customer and representing that brand every day. We see, not only do we see great customer satisfaction numbers in terms of increases, but employees stay longer. They feel better about the work they're doing. It's attached to something. Mm -hmm. So those are just two examples from very different industries. One is sales. One is more of a service focus. But just by helping people understand what it means for their role, actions will follow. It's interesting because what you're doing is is making people aware of their own sense of purpose. You know, that sort of jewelry company, those experts, actually by turning it into them, making them instead of 
obviously they sold more, but actually instead of telling them to sell, actually they want to help more and be aligned to the brand purpose. Actually, they wanted to help. And by, by helping, they meant they created more opportunities and a better experience for the customer. And therefore they, they sold more in, in essence uh, and actually aligned to their own purposes as well, which is obviously great. Um, and I think that also increases you talk about you know more um, employee engagement and employee fulfillment because if you enjoy your work and get rewarded for it and not just in financial i'm talking about reward in terms of your experience therefore you continue to it'll be a virtuous circle and so that's really important actually so what you're doing is going beyond just this internal brand alignment actually it's actually employee engagement uh, across the piece um how have you found that in in a world that's gone virtual in the 12 months i mean that's a bit more challenge isn't it to try and get people in that space uh, it's it's sometimes easier to to have those conversations and those um uh, meetings together and create that engagement it's a bit more difficult online how have you found that in terms of working with your clients there's no replacement for face-to-face right that's that's always the the best environment to be able to engage people especially a lot of the work that we do is is peer-to-peer so getting people talking to one another zoom teams they still work right webex they still work to do that uh, you know if, as long as people turn their cameras on and are willing to engage and you've got you know somebody good that's driving that conversation they can still work we were doing a lot of the virtual the virtual engagement prior to to the pandemic so we were in a pretty good rhythm of working with clients. A lot of times clients we work with will have um, outside sales teams that are already virtual, right? They're, they're working from their homes. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's an environment that we were somewhat used to. We had some good practice and we've certainly hit our stride. So um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it can be used as an excuse. I think that the opportunity, you, know, you might be able to do something on a 15 minute Zoom that would have taken a lot longer trying to collect people together and get people off of phones and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So you know, we, we feel like it, it, it's not something that you can point to and say, well, we can't do it because we're not in the same place anymore. Probably becomes even more critical. Yeah, it's just it, it's another reason to not do it. But actually, there's ways around it. And you just got to work with what you've got, I guess. Um, and so do you, do you see this approach and really focusing on your employees and getting this alignment as a, a competitive advantage for companies right now? So I, I, we we just went on our first trip our, our first trip since the pandemic started uh, two weeks ago, and we met with a client who we started doing business with uh, almost four years ago now three, about three and a half years ago, and we were talking to him and the way that he phrased it he has become so much more conscious of this since he started working with us and the way he was talking about these concepts was. The people who represent our brand are another marketing channel. They're a channel. They are a group of people that marketing has to find innovative ways to reach. They are not a channel. They're not a group of people to be taken for granted. They're not going to say what we want them to say because they have to, right? That that's not going to be their approach. So when we think about the the the, the way organizations are thinking about this, I, I kind of go back to to his line of thinking, which is. Treat them like a marketing audience. Don't just treat them as, as if they're somebody that's going to, to, to take the script and say it every single time, because these are the people who are the ones typically that will take this, the script, crumple it up and throw it out because they feel like they're not part of the process. They feel like you don't understand my role. But marketing's all, marketing is mass empathy, right? If organizations take a more empathetic, understanding, listening type approach to their internal channels, 
what they're going to get back in engagement and performance is going to be a lot better. It's going to be well worth the return. And with that, where do you where do you think it sits in terms of responsibility and accountability, brand alignment in an organization? Is it the leadership? Is it the marketing team? You know, where would you put it? Okay, I'm going to throw you some stats. Are you ready for some stats? Let's have some. So we love stats. <laughs> okay. So we know from research that 80% of marketers, 80% say that the success of their work, the, their, how they are judged in their role and how successful they are in their role is directly impacted by the ability of frontline teams to execute on their vision. So marketers are saying, marketers are saying, yes, this is imp- those people are important to our company. They're important to our brand. They recognize it. However, when we ask the sales teams and we ask the frontline teams, where do you look for support? When you want support around your message, your value proposition, the new products have come up, where do you look? We gave them six choices for for departments and people that they would look to for that support. Marketing was fifth out of six, okay? Second last. So what have we just learned there? Marketing's looking at those frontline teams saying they're extremely important. And the frontline teams are saying, who? Marketing who? I have no idea who you're, I don't know my marketing team. I have no idea who you're talking about. So that, you know, we talk about knocking down silos. We truly believe that the marketers need to take greater ownership of this. They need to stop accepting the handoffs that they do internally. Every organization does this. Almost every organization. Nobody's doing this perfectly well where the marketers are doing a handoff to training. They're doing a handoff, you know, this series of handoffs. And by the time it gets down to the frontline teams, who knows what it looks like or what it sounds like. Marketers need to take more control of this. Customer experience is rolling up to marketing. The accountability for ROI and performance of marketing has gone way up. It's time to lean in and like I said about my client, treat internal audiences, especially the ones who represent the brand, as an audience to be marketed to, not one just to be handed off and the the baton gets passed around. Yeah, no, no, I I agree with you because I've worked in organizations where I I, I was in sales as well, sales and marketing. And you know, the marketing team, where there was success for a, a say, a product launch is where the sales team were involved right at the outset on a project in terms of developing that brand, the brand name, the pricing, everything that goes through it um, in, in tandem with, with, the, with the marketeer, obviously. And there we got the most success, A, because we got the whole story. They got the confidence because the sales guy's been working with them. They've been firing in all their challenges and all their concerns and what money they need. And actually that created a lot more uh, synergy as well and insight as well. So it, it worked really, I've worked really well with that. Um, so what would be your advice now to leaders um, uh, as we start to come out of this pandemic and to try and get a, a sort of, whether you call it a fast start or try and get ahead of the curve, what would be your thoughts in terms of your uh, interactions you've had so far with organizations? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that we're always telling people, and, and I actually answer this question toward the end of, of interviews in very similar fashion, that is, uh, listen to your people, right? The, the information that you can, you can tap into from your front lines is immense. Uh, a lot of organizations do external research and gather external, you know, voice of customer insights. Um, we, are, we are big believers that at building that empathetic relationship, knocking down those silos, it truly starts with listening. It doesn't start with more content. It doesn't start with more information. It starts with, how do you feel about this? What do you think of it? So any listening exercise that you are doing with your frontline teams to gather those insights, run them back up the flagpole to the marketing leadership. Um, it becomes business intelligence. Most organizations don't look at it that way. They look at, they look at 
know, it, it's just another employee survey. That's not really my department. Um, if you're on the marketing side of the house, uh, you truly have to look at that frontline feedback as insights, especially if you ask it the right way. So start a dialogue, start by listening. That would be my advice. Yeah, no. And, and it's listening with intent. It's listening with purpose of wanting to to genuinely take what they're saying and rather than just listening with uh, lip service, as often people do. Um, I looked at your your values of, of, as a business, um, and I'm quite interested in some of them, actually. Um, and I, I'd like you to just expand upon one of them, actually, uh, called Guts. I, I love it. Yeah. I love, I love, I love, I love, it sounds really, really, really there. I like it. Really, I've never heard that value in, in, a, in a sort of a mission of a business before. Yeah, so I'm really glad you picked that one. I didn't know you were going to do that, but I'm really glad you picked that one. When we built Interview, um, we uh, we had a former colleague who was a big fan of a uh, a process or a, a book called Mastering the Arts of the Rockefeller Habits. I don't know if you're, you know, Vern Harnish wrote that yeah. book. And it's all about how to build build the right rhythm into a business so you can grow and scale. And one of the things that, that was in there is really identifying what is the what is the word you want to own? What, what, is, what, is the, what is the word that you want to rally behind? And uh, we talked as, an, as a team and we went back and forth and guts is what we landed on. And the reason, reason we landed there, it, it, it's sort of a double entendre, okay? The first reason is most of the organizations that we're talking to, the example you just shared, Julian, is a really great one where you said, I've worked with organizations that did this the right way. They got the sales team involved on the front end that equation, that recipe that you just described, it's really not that hard. It's not that hard. It's just different, right? Mm-hmm. It's just different than the way most organizations do it. They do it in a very linear fashion. And it's just the way they've always done it. So they keep doing it that way. Mm-hmm. It takes guts to try something new. So we recognize that the way that we talk about this approach and what we're asking organizations to do is new and different. And that can be uncomfortable. And it takes guts. We jokingly say that we we are we help give a lot of our prospects and clients courage, courage to try a new way. Mm-hmm. We become the team to pump them up and give them the guts to go in and ask for it. Um, the, the, other, you know, the other side of the double entendre there is um, we get into the guts of an organization, right? We are not, you know, we are not handing, at, handing people notebooks and with flowcharts and saying, here, here's what you do. And we're walking away and, and wiping our hands of it. Mm-hmm. We are really getting out there with their frontline teams in the trenches um, it, it's not easy in a lot of cases. Operationally, it can, there can be challenges, but that's where results happen. That's where mm-hmm. opportunities reside in these organizations. So um, we we go we go inside. It matches up with our, our name interview. Um, we go inside the organization mm-hmm. and go as deep as we need to to really help them change from the inside out. Brilliant. I like that. I love that. Uh, guts as a value. It's probably the best one I've heard so far. Uh, so um, I like the fact that you get, because I'm the same, I like to get really engrossed in an organization to really understand culture and what they think, feel and everything. So it's it's so important to engross yourself in an organization. Um, I've really enjoyed our conversation, Chris. Uh, really value your insights. Uh, it's great what you're doing. Um, I think it's so needed. Uh, and as you say, it's not rocket science, uh, although I'm sure you're bringing in tons of insight and tons of value and tons of expertise, but it isn't rocket science in terms of its simplicity, um, but people need to do it uh, and do it with uh, with courage as well. So uh, if people want to get in touch and have heard, have heard something today thinking, I really like what Chris has said, how can they sort of connect with you? Yeah, so um, the best way to connect with me directly is through LinkedIn, uh, very active on LinkedIn, uh, Chris Wallace uh, with Interview, and it's I-N-N-E-R-V-I-E-W. Uh, I'm in Philadelphia. 
Chris Wallace is not an uncommon name. So look for, for Chris Wallace with interview in Philadelphia. Feel free to reach out, connect with me. Um, beyond that website, interviewgroup.com, as well as brandtransferscore.com. That's a great way to learn more about the frontline insights engine that we've built, you know, really giving marketers business intelligence based on, you know, what their, what their frontline teams are seeing and hearing and thinking. So um, those are the best places to find me. Brilliant. Well, thank you for today, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you, Julian. It's been great. If you like this episode, then please do subscribe, do share with your friends, and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture, then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com. Thank you.